Well, I'm going to start slightly differently this morning um, by showing you a picture, and it's uh, aimed at the young people, really, for those of you on phone get a see which one. So, children, right, look at the picture, look at the clock here, and one, you see this, no, you see this one here, yeah, everybody else, yeah, you can see this, yeah, can you see it, yeah, no, how are you, right, yeah, good, okay, so can you tell me, what is wrong with this building? What's wrong with it? Yes, Noah. It's tipping a bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's tipping. Something's not wrong with it. Something's not right with it, is it? It's tipping. Do you think it was built like that? Do you think it was built in a tipping way? Now let's move this building. I want it to tip just like that because it's going to look really good. Yeah, do you think they did that? What do you think, Joanne? Did it? Was it built like that? No, it wasn't, was it? Anybody tell me where it is? Any of the young ones? Stanley, do you know where that is? It's in Italy, that's right. It's in a place called Pisa, yeah? This is the Leaning Town of Pisa. It wasn't built like this. It was built in 1173. It started, and because of wars and things like that, it wasn't actually finished until 1399. There were various architects who designed it, and it was in Pisa. Now, looking on the internet, it said that Pisa, as a name, comes from the Greek. And the Greek word for Pisa is marshland. Marshland. So, did the architects and designers and builders build the, the Tower of Pisa in the right place, is a question. Because if it's built on marshland, what happens when you put something really heavy on marshland? Does it stand upright? No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's not a stable foundation. It's not a stable foundation, is it? The cathedral, the baptistry as well, which is near the Tower of Pisa, they are also leaning, they're sinking underground. So if you're going to build a building, what is so important is to have a solid foundation. Something that is stable, something that will take the weight, something that will help the building to endure and to last for generations to come. And that's our theme this morning. The theme is Jesus Christ, our true foundation. Jesus Christ, our, our true foundation. And we'll look at chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. So in this chapter, Paul is still fighting the wisdom wars with the church. He's still fighting the war on wisdom. He's warned them in chapter 1, in chapter 2, it goes into chapter 3 as well. And he says, God has given you wisdom. Don't contaminate the church by imbibing and by absorbing the world's wisdom. You've got divine wisdom, don't mix it with human wisdom. You've got eternal wisdom, don't import temporary wisdom of this age. He's speaking about wisdom to them. And he goes back to this argument again here in chapter 3. We've seen the wisdom wars as we've been through chapter 1 and 2, and in chapter 3, it's here as well. And Paul, as he did in chapter 2, he says, cast your mind back, Corinthians, to when I first came to you. If you want to understand this rightly, let's cast our minds back. When I came to you, this is what I did. Let's get back to basics. Let's clear out what's happening at the moment. Let's go back to first principles. 
if we're going to build a solid church and foundation, it needs to be on what I told you about all those years before. So I have three points this morning. They will begin with F. And the first is this. What we'll see here is the fruit of God's grace. The fruit of God's grace. So verse 10, Paul says this. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation and another builds on it. He says, I'm a wise master builder. So when he came to Corinth, what did he do? He evangelized. He preached the gospel of Christ. He went into the synagogue and he preached Christ crucified and the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies and types and shadows. He preached from his heart. He declared Christ to them in a tireless way. He saw people saved. He discipled them. A small gathering of Christians came. And then by the grace of God, it grew and grew into what became a big church, a large church. And Paul says, when I came to you, I laid this foundation as a wise master builder. So if you have an ESV or an NIV, it probably doesn't use the word wise. There it probably says skillful. Skillful. So Paul comes with skills, with thinking. He comes with planning and purpose. He comes with a strategy. As he comes to, to Corinth, and he did this with every city that he went to, he came and he preached the gospel to them. But he didn't do it in a haphazard way. He went first to the synagogue. He preached to the Jews. He preached the Christ, the fulfillment, the Messiah. He went to the Gentiles. He preached to them, and he brought them into the church together. And he built the church, and he preached about the cross, bringing down, as it were, the, the walls of separation and how they're one people with one voice in Christ, Jew, Gentile, however they're being, in this one foundation, there is one church. He's a skillful master builder. Now what's interesting is, the word master builder is actually... Um, in the Greek, apparently, I might get this wrong, but I'll have a go. Architecton. I'm getting a nod. Architecton, right? So that is the word. But it doesn't just mean somebody who's an architect. You know what an architect is? They do drawings, they buildings, they create blueprints, and so on. Paul says, I'm the architecton. What he means is this, that yes, he has plans, but the architecton is also the man who does the work as well. Okay, in the Greek, you've got two words. Apparently, architecton is the architect. Then you've got another one, which is ergastikos, which is just the, the sort of the, the, the drawer, as it were. But the architecton doesn't just plan, he builds as well. He says, I'm a wise master builder. I'm a skillful Builder. He doesn't just have skills in planning, he has skills in planting, he has skills in working on the building as well. In the New Testament, we don't find that you have Christians who only plan. 
who only put together a strategy and then give it to other people and they go off and do the work. In the New Testament, what we find, uh, Paul is, 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 it were, is an example here. He plans, he strategizes, he thinks, he, he looks at an approach, he thinks in praise, what is the best way to do this? He looks at scriptural principles, but then he goes out and does the work as well. Yeah, so he's in the office, he's planning, he's creating the blueprint, he takes the blueprint, he rolls it up, he goes and gets his building clothes on, and as it were, and he's out there, and he's getting his shovel out, and he's digging the foundations of the church. He does both things. He plans, and he does. Here's the architect, Ton, as it says there in the Greek. You've got four Gospels. What comes after the Gospels? You have the Acts of the Apostles. It's because the Apostles, they weren't dry academics sitting in a study. Yeah, they went out and did stuff. They evangelized hard, tirelessly. You know, somebody's going to build a foundation. It's deep work. It's blood, sweat and tears. It's tireless work. The Apostle Paul is... He's doing that work slowly, methodically, with a plan and a pattern. But he's rolling up his sleeves. He does it in Corinth. He does it in Thessalonica. He does it in Ephesus as well, as you read the New Testament. He's a planner and he's a doer. So you say, well, Paul is saying, I'm the master builder. Is he, is he, is he bigging himself up here? Is he saying, well, you know, look at me. I planted you as a church. Is he... This is, as it were, trying to get that faction within the church. You know, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas. Is he trying to get everyone to align to him? Is he boasting in some way here in what he's saying? Well, he isn't boasting. He's being open that by the that uh, that he is the wise master builder. But as verse ten it opens, it says this according. To the grace of God, which was given to me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. He doesn't deny the work that he's done. But he attributes the blessing and success of what he has done to the grace of God. The powerful, overarching Heart-opening grace of God, according to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder. He says earlier, doesn't he, in chapter 3, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So with the glory is to God in all of this. Yes, he's laid the foundation. Yes, he's put the work in. Yes, he's thrown his life into it. And yet he says, but the blessing is from God. It's Christ, the Spirit, who's been at work here. He's not saying, I'm the greatest. He's saying, God is the greatest. Yeah, it's God's grace. He points away from himself. He takes no glory. He said, if not for the grace of God, I would still be a persecutor and a blasphemer. According to the grace of God that was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid the foundation. So we see the fruit, as it were, of God's grace. We see the evidence of God's work by the Spirit through him in the life 
of the church, in the foundation laying of the church. But then he gives us a little bit more. He says, but verse 10, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. So he's recognizing there that, yes, he was poorly laid the foundation, but then Apollos comes along. Yeah? And he's the one who builds on top of the foundation that Paul has laid. And there's this continuity, there's teamwork involved here, isn't there? There is further work to be done, building on the foundation. And Apollos is the guy who's going to come and do that. The, the foundation, I laid it, that's a one-time historical past tense in, in the original language. But the building is a continuous tense. It's a present tense. Building on that foundation. Now, the, the foundation of Castlefield's church was laid a long time ago, wasn't it? Before my time. Street preachers around the, the, the railway mission and the church was formed. There's a history. Davis told us about the history before and Peter's obviously told us about it. Before that, there's a foundation laid. And we're to build on that foundation today, aren't we? To continue the church. To grow the church. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. There will be those who build on it. Today, and actually, all of us have a role in the building up of the church of Jesus Christ today. All of us have a role in building our own church, in edifying and encouraging and building as each other one up in the faith. Paul says, take heed how you do it. Be careful how you do it. God has poured his grace into our lives. God has called us to faith in Christ. God has saved us from our sins. If you're a Christian this morning, you, God has begun that work in you. He's laid the, the foundation of the church. He's adding to the church. He's building the church, not just numerically, but spiritually as well. That is what is to happen here, but take heed how we do it. We need to make sure that we're doing it in the right way and that we'll come on to that in the next few verses. But the point is this, that the, the structure is built on the foundation of Christ. And every member is to be involved in the building up of the church. Yes, it's the preaching team. Yes, it's the teaching team. Yes, it's the one doing the young peoples, those leading small group Bible studies. Yes, it's all of us involved in this. It's parents and it's children teaching. God calls us to witness to the world. Paul was a master builder. He preached and people were saved and added in and the foundation of the gospel in people's lives. And as a church and as a body of truth, the foundation was laid and then he built on it. And you and I to go out as well, aren't we? To constrain others to come in, to add to the church more stones. Yeah, that the church will be built up, that people will be saved from their sins, from our families, from our work colleagues, from our neighbours. The foundation is laid and yet we are to build on it as we Hold forth the word of life as we give an answer 
when people ask us why we're Christians, why we believe the word of God. To give an answer, a defense in meekness, in fear. You know, the church in Jerusalem was scattered after the persecution of Stephen. It tells us in Acts 4 that the believers went everywhere preaching the words. Well, in the original language, the word preaching there means gossiping. They gossiped the word of God. They gossiped the gospel. Yeah, they gossiped the gospel. You know the problem with gossip? The problem with gossip is you can't hold it in, can you? Some people are more prone to it than others. But if you get a rumour or something's happened, if you want to gossip it, you can't keep it in. You've got to tell it. It comes out. When I first joined Rolls-Royce, there was a team leader there called Ray. If you wanted a rumour to get around the office, you just tell Ray and it'll get around the office. If you want it to get around quickly, you tell him it's a secret. Because that's what it's like, isn't it? Gossip. Yeah, we love the gospel, we'll gossip the gospel. That's spontaneous evangelism. That's, as it were, unhindered, that's free, that's voluntary, that's overflow of heart evangelism. There's the work of the master builders, it were laying the foundation, but we're all involved in evangelism and the building of the church of Jesus Christ, gossiping the gospel. You only gossip what you're excited about, what you know and you love. Yeah, something that uh, you, you've got to tell this. So may God build that, as it were, that excitement in us about the gospel. That we want to gossip the gospel more and more to others. Freeze us from the fear of what people might think of us. Adventure. We're bold. We gossip the gospel. You know what that is? That's the fruit of the grace of God in our lives. That we want to gossip the gospel. It's like Paul, the, according to the grace of God, I laid the foundation, he did his work, he preached the gospel, people came in. The fruit of the grace of God in our lives is that we'll go out with the gospel. The inreach strengthens us for outreach. To take his word out. Firstly, then the fruit of grace. Secondly, the foundation of the church. Verse 11. For no other foundation could anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what is the foundation of the church? Castlefields Church, what is our foundation? Okay, is it our ethics? Is it the fact that we're kind? Do we build a church on being kind to people? Yeah? Or being nice to people? We are to be kind to people. We are to be nice to people. Yeah? We are. Gentle and loving, taking care of people. But that isn't the foundation of the church. That isn't our reason for being. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. See, Christ is the foundation of the church. There isn't another foundation. No, in one sense, it's Christ in the Word, isn't it? The Word is our foundation. The whole of the Word of God is our foundation. But perhaps more specifically, in a more focused way, Paul is saying it's Jesus Christ. Well, you can't separate Christ from the Word. Christ predicted in the Word, prophesied in the Word, Christ fulfilled in the Word, 
Christ coming again in the word. Christ, his historical life revealed in the word, his person, his heart, his attitudes, his loves, his hates, his teaching, his truth, displayed in the gospels, commented on in the, in the letters, worked out in the lives of the church, how the church grows and builds, how believers grow. It's Christ-centered. The scriptures are Christ-centered. Christ is the son in the solar system of scripture. He's the center of gravity in it all. Revelation, he is coming again. He is the foundation. There is no other foundation that can be laid. The Transcona Grain Elevator was a grain storage facility in the Canadian Pacific Railway. And the building was there was to, to house grain for the Pacific Railway in the States in the 18, uh, actually in the early 1900s. The building was opened on the October 18th, 1913. And the grain was being poured into the facility. Within one day, the building had sunk a foot down. Within two days, the building had pivoted 28 degrees to the west. Why? Because it was built on clay, and what they didn't know was that there were salt layers in between. The clay was incredibly unstable. It's got a faulty foundation. Some buildings can last longer before the foundation is obviously faulty. And the building begins to twist and break up. Or like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, it goes into one direction. It leans in one direction rather than being balanced. You need a foundation that is solid to be balanced. We don't need a new foundation. The foundation isn't Christ plus anything. It's not Christ plus the trends in the culture. It isn't Christ plus the latest human idea or philosophy or Christ plus ideologies on gender or on, on, on life or on worldview. It isn't Christ, the human Christ, as it were, that the liberals will put as their foundation this human Jesus who is kind and merciful, but not the God-man Christ Jesus. Because again, that's a faulty foundation. It isn't a foundation based on an interpretation of God's word, which is faulty, that it contains God's word, but isn't God's word. That was the foundation, as it were, churches were being built on in Spurgeon's day. And all sorts of liberal, crazy things came into the church, and churches decayed and, and, and went off center. There is only one foundation. That's the point I'm trying to make here this morning. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. He is the solid rock on which we stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. The person and work of Christ, Christ crucified. Paul said, I won't have anything else among you. I determined to know nothing else among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's interesting when Peter preaches in Acts chapter 4, when he heals the lame man and he's brought before the council in Acts 4. And he says, yet the grace of God is through the name of Jesus Christ, that this man who's been 
lame all these years at the city gate. You see him now with your own eyes. You see it. He is different. He is standing up. He is alive. He is standing before you. Peter says, The stone which was rejected by you builders has become the head of the corner. Do you want to get rid of Jesus Christ? That was what was foretold in the Old Testament, that you would try to do that. But there is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. No other foundation. All of the ground is sinking sand. Some people don't want Christ. Some people don't want the Lord Jesus as their foundation. Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some think you're Elijah. Some think you're uh, one of the prophets. And Peter says, well, Jesus says to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. It is on this rock that I will build my church. This confession that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that is the firm foundation of the church. A person and the saving work of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and Paul says, I'm a wise master, but I've laid this foundation. I've laid this foundation for you. There is no other foundation which I could have laid, which is solid and stable and will see you through for the future. So the question is, what is the foundation of your life this morning? Let me ask you directly, what is the foundation of your life this morning? There will be one. If it isn't Jesus Christ, it'll be something else. Maybe a commitment to your own happiness. <clears throat> Maybe a commitment to your own freedom of thought. It may be a commitment to your own beliefs. But what is the foundation that you have? If you're just building your life on satisfying your own happiness or your own desires, that is the foundation that you're building your life on. But it's flawed. It's faulty. Your life is going to lead. Your life is going to be like the one built on sinking sand. If it's just about pleasure, it's about getting your own way, as it were, then the disappointments, the relational breakdowns, all the, the, the trials that can come in life, they're going to break you down. Why is it there's such a disillusioned youth? Because it doesn't work. It's cruel. Atheism is cruel. To try and lay in the life of a nation a different foundation than Jesus Christ is ultimate cruelty. Because lives fall apart. It's only Jesus Christ and his work on the cross for you through believing in him that will give you a solid foundation for your life, for time, for eternity, will prepare you to meet God, will give you sins forgiven and righteousness. 
Everything else is flawed, is faulty. There is only one rock. There is only one redeemer. Have you believed in that redeemer? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Is he your personal saviour? What is the foundation of your life this morning? What is the foundation of your family life this morning? If you're married, is your marriage built on this foundation? Is your marriage built on Christ? Jesus Christ, your saving knowledge of Christ. I've believed in him. I've trusted in him. His word is my guide. He is my Lord. I'm resting in him. My thoughts come to his word. I seek his will. What would he have me to do in my life? How would he have me to live? How would he have me to treat my wife and wife, her husband and children? Is he the center in your family worship? When you come and read the Bible together, is the cross what you go to for forgiveness when you upset one another? Is it the foundation of your home? If it isn't, something else will be. There'll be a vacuum. It will suck anything else in. Pragmatic thinking. Whatever it might be, it needs to be Jesus Christ. And our church this morning, let's keep Christ at the centre. Let's keep the gospel in focus. Let's recognise the foundation. Not move from it. Not be swayed by it. Not be distracted from it. There isn't anything else. There isn't anybody else. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Yes, we build on it. We know the truth, and I'll talk about that in my next point. Briefly, but everything pretty much intersects, as it were, goes through the cross of Christ and the person of Christ to have him as the foundation, the center. That is what we need to keep doing. The message of the gospel, Jesus Christ, he is the foundation. Thirdly, we see with the fruit of God's grace, we've seen the foundation of Christ. And thirdly, we need to fireproof God's building. The fireproof. God's building. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. We need to fireproof God's building. Paul is saying when you're building on this foundation of Christ, be really careful the building materials that you use and the quality of the materials that you use. So you can have wood and hay and straw. Well, what were these all about? What's he talking about here? Well, wood, hay and straw were used for just ordinary buildings. Okay, they were ordinary materials. But they were combustible. Gold, silver, precious stones, they were used for places of worship, temples, where it was fitting and appropriate for God to be worshipped. Paul is saying, I've laid a foundation, take heed what kind of doctrine you carry on in that work. The building materials are symbols of truth, right? So you've got a foundation. 
You're going to build on that foundation. You've got two choices. You've got human ideas. You've got human opinions. You've got wood, hay and stubble. Temporary, combustible things. And you've got the truth of Christ. You've got the truth of Scripture. You've got pure doctrine. You've got pure teaching that builds up, that's stable, that is consistent with the foundation that has been laid. I think that's the point. I've looked at a number of different commentaries. I've gone back to Calvin and Matthew Henry, the old boys, and I've looked at some of the new people as well. Some people think this is all about the quality of your heart and your, your, your relationship with Christ. That is important. And the last hymn is, search me, O God, my actions try. But I think what Paul is saying here is that the, the building itself must be consistent with the foundations, the quality, the foundations, the truths of Christ. It's not as though we believe in Christ, we believe in the cross, and then we pick up some other teaching or some other truth. No, we need to build on that. You see, Christ is throughout all of Scripture. He permeates all of the teaching, the Christian life. Justification, sanctification, glorification. It's all about Christ, isn't it? Wood, hay, and stubble, they're perishable things. Gold, silver, precious jewels, they are, are abiding things. They're worthy. They're in tune, they're in keeping with the foundation. So each one's work, verse 13, will become manifest for the day will declare it. What Paul is saying is there will be a day in the future when all the teaching in the church will be assessed and evaluated. In our previous house in Kingsley Road, we had a small extension to our kitchen, which is quite nice. We had a picture window put in and looked on the garden. We had a builder come and he built all the work and so on. But then... The building inspector had to come and evaluate the work that was done to see, was it built on a solid foundation? What were the materials that were used? Was it in line with the regulations? Was it safe? Was it secure? Was it appropriate? Was it part of this whole? Was it built correctly? If it wasn't, it will be torn down, isn't it? Paul is saying here, what we build, the truth that we teach in the church, the teaching team in the church, you if you teach young people, you if you teach your children, you whoever you teach in small groups or whatever it might be, that the truth that we teach must be consistent, Christ-centered, Bible-based. It is the truth of Scripture, as it were. Because if it's not, the day is going to come when it's going to be torn down. When it will be revealed, it will be tested by fire. Fire purges, fire tests, fire reveals, verse 13, of what sort of work it is. And there may be teachings in the church or in the wider Christian community. And we say, that sounds good. And it might have some reference to scripture. But the day will declare whether or not it really is what God says in his words. 
We need to be so careful, as Paul says, take heed how you build on it. Make sure that the teaching in this church is scriptural, is wholesome, is Christ-centered, is, as it were, in line with the mind of the spirits, is revealed, and is built on the foundation of the gospel, and flows from the gospel, arrests on the gospel. Otherwise, it will be torn down. Verse 14, if anyone's work which we have built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved so as through fire. That's as far as we're going to go in terms of verse 15 today. But that's, that's what he's saying here. Let's evaluate our teaching. Let's make sure it's scriptural. I think it also says, you know, you know, we talk about primary truth and secondary truths. I think that is an important distinction. But secondary truths are important as well. All the scripture is important. To make sure we teach the word of God that it's really the intended meaning. And the applications are helpful and useful. Otherwise, it will be part of the bonfire when Christ returns. Apostle Paul anticipates people saying, oh no, what if I've taught the wrong thing? Am I going to be condemned for that? What does it say? If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet as though by fire, the picture is of a building that is on fire and the man is running out of it, escaping for his life. It's a warning here. Isn't something light to teach the word of God? Something very, very serious weighs heavily on those who preach because there is a day when it will be evaluated, when we will be evaluated. And for the true, pure doctrine and encouragement and edifying uh, work that we've done in the church, he said there will be a reward. What is that reward? Well, that reward, maybe it's a greater capacity to know and love God. Maybe it's a greater places it were we don't know exactly what that reward may be and maybe that's another subject we can think about in the future but let's try and fireproof our teaching try and make sure it's not done with flammable materials make sure it's built on the foundation of christ with him at the center by christ and for christ as a church, then, let's keep Jesus Christ at the centre. Build the treasures, the wisdom and knowledge that we have in him. The message of the gospel. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Well, may God help us to do these things. So we've seen the fruit of God's grace. We've seen the foundation, which is in Christ. And we've seen the need to fireproof the building and that teaching. May God help us in these things. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would bless it to our hearts. We pray that you would help us to uh, do the work that you call us to do. We pray that there would be more and more fruit from the grace of God at work in our lives. Fruit in evangelism, 
fruit in building up the church, edifying one another, using our gifts in that shared life. Together, we pray that we would recognize the, the stability and solidity of Christ as the only foundation in the gospel. Of Christ crucified, let us not move away from that and embrace other things or try and add to that. Lord, that will only wreck the foundations. We pray that you'll keep us steady and stable and focused. Realize Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would help us to fireproof, uh, Lord, our ministries as well in the church to base it all on the pure word of God, not to embrace and imbibe uh, human opinions or ideas. Help us, Lord, to be discerning and helpful in the way that we create uh, the, the teaching material and the messages that we have and the teaching that we do at home or in the church. Oh, we pray for grace and wisdom that you would help us. And we pray most of all that you would be glorified in the church through Christ Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.